Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am your host, Pale Dragon. Uh, with me today are Elaine Shercliffe. Hello, Elaine. Hi. And Eric Seeds. Hello, Eric. Hey, PD. How's it going? Good. Well, it could be better. This has been a rough couple days for Blue Jackets fans. Not only did they lose 2-1 to one to Colorado on Saturday, which ended a 10-game point streak, they also lost... Uh, a very key player in Seth Jones. It was announced today that he has a broken ankle and will be out indefinitely. Uh, the resident medical expert in the comments, Doc H, predicted it would be about an eight-week injury, which would take him out for the rest of the regular season. So, Seeds, we'll start with you here. Obviously, the Jackets have weathered a lot of injuries to this point and have done well despite that, maybe in some cases even because of that, because of the, the new additions to the lineup, but is... What do we lose with losing Jones? Is this one injury too many? Sure is. What do you lose when you lose Seth Jones? You lose arguably the best defensive defenseman in the National Hockey League. You lose a guy who plays 26 minutes a night and swallows up the best player on the opposing roster. And he covers he covers mistakes. He kills penalties. He quarterbacks the power play, which, while it's not great, it's still nice to have Seth Jones out there. He he hasn't been producing on offense this year as much as we maybe would be used to or accustomed to, especially after last year. But his his defensive prowess and ability to recover and break up rushes has allowed uh, Zach Wierenski the freedom to do what he's done in the offensive zone this year. There is no overstating how critical this injury is. I mean... Imagine taking like Tom Brady off the Patriots or taking, you know, who taking LeBron James off the Cleveland Cavaliers or the L.A. Lakers now, I guess there it's it's you're taking the best you're taking the best skater off the roster for probably the rest of the regular season. Broken ankles are nothing to mess with and they're hard to recover from. It's hard to get back into skating shape and hard to, you know, trust hard to trust your body after that injury. And now we're going to be without Seth Jones for the stretch run. I mean, tonight is the first night we played the Tampa Bay lightning this year. We got two more matchups to go with them. We we've got 
something like 10 games in the next two weeks or something like that, or next three weeks, it, there's there's this is this is the time when if the Jackets were going to make a playoff push this year, we've had debate and debate about whether or not that's a thing that's happening. You need a guy like Seth Jones on the back end to clean up the mistakes, especially when the offense scored three goals plus an empty netter last week. Like, yeah, they went two and one, but they went but they scored three goals that excluding that empty netter. You know, having a guy like Seth Jones allows you that luxury to protect one goal leads. And the Jackets have had the most one goal games this season. And Seth Jones is a big reason why they were winning those games. Now, now without him, the, the backs are really against the wall and it might be a bridge too far. Remember, we're missing Cam Atkinson tonight, too. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a little bit. So you mentioned that Jones has facilitated Wierenski's great season. Uh, we should point out that uh, against Detroit on Friday, Wierenski scored his 17th goal of the season, which set a new franchise record for Jackets defensemen, which is really great. He'll be now paired up with Marcus Nudavara, who now I'm actually I'm in, excited. Maybe not excited is the right word, but I am looking forward to seeing how that pair works. This is obviously been a tough season for Nudavara. He missed a lot of time to injury. He's been just a third pair guy since he came back. But, uh, you know, in the past, he has been able to play up in the lineup and do so well. So hopefully he can, you know, play that defensive first role that allows Wierenski to do his rover thing. And then that lineup, that pair won't take too much of a, a step back. And then uh, obviously the second pair will remain the same. It's Gavrikov and Savard. They'll continue to be a shutdown pair. The third pair will be Andrew Peake and Scott Harrington. Unfortunately, yeah, this means Scott Harrington returns to the lineup. That's not great. The Jackets called up Gabriel Carlson from the Cleveland Monsters. Elaine, what uh, what have you seen in Carlson's game lately? And do you think that he has a chance to crack the lineup there as the sixth defenseman? Well, first of all, I, I just have to say that with Seth going down, we're going to really see what I've been saying for the past two seasons, that they've focused far too much on finding centers when a lot of these guys can play center uh, but are playing winger and maybe would be scoring better if they were playing their own position and haven't focused on the defense enough because the defense is very, very light in the organization. So with that being said, this has not been a good three games for Gabriel Carlson. I know that the Jackets didn't have much to call up from the Monsters, but in yesterday's game, four goals were scored and Carlson was on the ice for three of them. And he and Clendenning was on the ice for four of them. And they they just, they didn't do a good job. They, it, it was, it was like watching a whole other defensive pair play. It's not how they typically play. I will say that Carlson and Clendenning typically are um, dependable, but so is the other Carlson with a K, Anton. The only problem is, is he is AHL-only contract. So I think the Jackets have to start looking at what they have 
and do they are they going to be able to mold it? Should they keep it? And should they be maybe turning some of these AHL only players into lower contract two way players because you know stuff <laughs> like injuries happen all the time. Um, even Steve Johnson, he's on a PTO and he's playing better. He played better than Gabriel Carlson the past three games. So it was not so much a shock because there isn't much to bring up right now defensively, but he'll obviously probably get a chance at playing because they didn't call him up for no reason. And if they need him up for as long as it seems they're going to need him, they're going to need to really work with him to make sure he doesn't stay on this course because it is the, as we have seen that the defense started doing really well, started um, being able to really back up the goaltenders and we can see, I mean, Elvis can do a lot, but it really helps having a good group of D, right? Like it, it helps a lot. So what you're saying, Elaine, is we saw all these awful tendencies when he was up here in Columbus a few a year or two ago, and they haven't really gotten better. So they did get better, and then they... And then you regressed again? And then they regressed. And I don't... You know, Coach Eves talked about that this weekend, that, you know, they weren't supposed to have practice today because they played, you know, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, and then tomorrow. So every other day. He wanted to give them that day off. But he said that they today they were going to go into the um, the arena and they were going to take a hard look in the mirror because he needs them to find out who they are because not many of them are playing like who they are. And I mean, I truly believe, and he said we can't make an excuse, this can't be an excuse, but I truly believe a lot of it is the constant roster call-ups, the constant last-minute roster changes. I mean... On Wednesday night, the guys came down and they didn't get to the game until like the after, like basically right before the game. You know, they, I think it made probably like three or four, or maybe even two before they got there. And, you know, you miss morning skate, you miss that. That's the hap, that's happens a few times or guys are getting called out a few hours before the game. So it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting time for the monsters right now. And, Gabriel Carlson is highlighting, um, showing what some of those problems are. Like he's, you can see that, that everyone is kind of, not everyone. A lot of people are kind of struggling. So I, I wonder if maybe they feel like at this point that calling him up hurts the monsters the least versus other players that they could call up from them, like Clendenning perhaps. Um, I will say, I felt like Carlson played better in his six games up in Columbus in December than he had in previous years. Now, it wasn't still great, but as far as being a bottom pair defenseman, he seemed mostly acceptable. Uh, maybe he'll benefit from getting work one-on-one with Brad Shaw at practice. Uh, let's hope for the best there. Uh, one cool fact that just dawned on me, if there are no other lineup changes, but Gabriel Carlson does get into the lineup at some point here soon, that will be four out of the six defensemen will be players drafted in 2015 by the Jackets. Because that year, if you recall, the hmm. blue line looked in horrible shape. Not a lot coming up through the pipeline. We didn't have Seth Jones yet. As so opposed in, to now? Well, no, but... He, it looks better. It looks better It, it looks. Now. It looks, it looks okay, better yeah, that, 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 There's that just was, not that, a lot in the pipeline. <laughs> yeah, but, that, that wasn't a fair shot. It, it, it looks better, but, but prospects aren't great. 
in that draft, in one draft, we got Wierenski and Carlson in the first round, Gavrikov in the sixth round, and Nudavara in the seventh round. So I think to get four NHL contributors out of the draft, just from any position, is a good year. But to think of four defensemen in the same draft is uh, that's quite something. So so credit to the scouts for for picking that group that year, especially Gavrikov and Nudovara that are at the back end of the draft. Those are those are two late round gems. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Now... We've talked about defense, but we have to talk about offense. As Seeds mentioned, the Jackets scored four goals in three games this week, and only one of those goals was a five-on-five goal. They managed to win two games, thanks (laughs) to the defense, and thanks to Elvis Merzlikens, who's the first star of the week in the NHL, uh, for his two shutouts. But that's just not good enough, and it's what's not going to help is losing Cam Atkinson. Uh, So in his place, the Jackets made a surprise move, and they have called up on emergency recall Liam Foodie, first-round pick from a couple of years ago. He's been playing with the London Knights of the OHL. He has 43 points in 32 games this season. He was also one of the three stars for Team Canada at the World Juniors. So each of you have seen him play in the last year. Seeds, you said you saw him uh, at development camp, correct? Yes. And Elaine, you saw him in the playoffs with the Monsters last year. Uh, let's start with you, Elaine. What... What stood out to you about Foodie's game last year? Well, before we get to Foodie, can we talk about the fact that some people didn't get called up and he got called up instead? Yeah, it sounds like there there was the implication or maybe the outright statement from Torts that, you know, they wanted someone with offensive skill to replace Cam and that they didn't feel like there was anyone like that left down in Cleveland. Uh, Do you agree with that assessment or no? I do not agree with that assessment. (laughs) <laughs> which is weird because typically I agree with what Hort says. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that if I was Calvin Turkoff, I would be feeling very unappreciated mm. because, and, and he's a, he probably, he might not feel unappreciated. Calvin's a very um, humble person and he takes what's given. So 
I'm sure he's fine. But um, coming from a, a beat reporter standpoint is uh, he has, in the past six games, he has seven points. I think four of them were goals. And he's been a consistent, while well, everyone's been up top and he keeps constantly getting looked over and looked over, um, he has consistently scored points. And whether he's setting up the play or he is scoring, it has been quite incredible to watch him because he did struggle to be consistent for so long in the past two, in the two seasons before this. And now he's really just a whole different player. He's really fast. And I, I don't understand so much why they haven't given him a shot up yet this season, let alone saying that there's not that quickness or offensive down there when a guy like him is there. Maybe Torts meant something different. Maybe he's really just saying, like, Foodie is, I mean, Foodie is hot right now, so I could see... I can see that. I'm not trying to negate anything from Foodie. But then also Trey Fix Wolanski, the only reason why I think Fix hasn't been called up is because you have Cam and you have Gerby. There's only so many smaller guys you can have on the roster at the NHL level before people start coming in hot on you. <laughs> but Trey is, has had uh he's had four goals in the last six games and that, and he's had a few assists in there as well. They're both great on the power play and the penalty kill. And, and Fix is fast. Fix is strong. So it's, I, I don't know if that assessment from Torts was exactly fair. I don't know if it was exactly right. I think he might be jazzed about Foodie because Foodie is great. I'm not going to take it away. I enjoyed watching Foodie in the playoffs. He is strong. And I've heard that he has only gotten stronger He's, I've heard he's more solid now. And I looked, I saw the pictures of him today and now he looks like a full grown man where last year he, mm. he definitely looked like a child. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and now he, he has a, a mustache that puts Sakharinsky's to shame. <laughs> right. So that, that, I think that is important as well. Uh, I should also point out Foodie is here for just a brief time because of the nature of the emergency recall and the NHL agreement with the Canadian major junior leagues. He will return to his junior team after this game. So he's up for just this game against the Lightning. Uh, and then presumably the Jackets will make another move. So perhaps they will be. My point they is, bear like, why? Off. Then why? I guess why? Like, why bring him up for yeah, one game against the Lightning? The first time that the Lightning have played the Jackets again. Why, why bring him up two weeks before trade deadline? When everyone's going to be looking at him, all I can think of is not that they were going to want to trade him because that would be silly to trade mm. him, um, but maybe do a bait and switch, you know, where they'd be like, oh, look at what we have. People start talking to them and then they do a old bait and switch. And then next thing we know, like Ryan Murray's, well, Ryan Murray can't be gone because he's injured, but you know what I'm saying? Like. Right, right. That they, they could show to other teams that they're not desperate to make a move because they have other options in the pipeline. Right. That could be. Um, it could just be that they, for his his speed and his skill against a team like the Lightning, I think they also maybe wanted someone that they felt they could plug directly into Cam's spot. Because if you notice, the projected lines 
have been kept the same from the weekend or from Saturday's game, with the exception of Foodie in for Cam. Now, if they call up someone else, like like Turkoff or Fix Lansky, okay, but how would likely you know they would that have them. He's going to do well in the NHL. He plays in a a league that is slower than the AHL. I that's where I I look at all these scenarios and. They're making a lot of assumptions and putting a lot of pressure on this kid for one game. You're going to slot into Cam Atkinson's spot. We think you're going to do that better. And in the same breath, they're telling guys like even McGinnis and Turkoff and everyone else that's down in the Monsters that that they're just not good enough. Hmm. I'm not saying anything bad about Foodie because I think Foodie could do well. Like I said, when I saw him in the playoffs... He's super strong. He is very fast. He has a sharp mind. Um, and if he does do well up here in one game, slotting in, that just proves that this rule that keeps him in a slower league is so silly. Mm. Like, it's so weird. And a kid that young who plays that well should be in the AHL instead of in juniors then. So it, it, there's a lot there's a lot of moving parts there for me. Well, and I do I do wonder if if he does play well tonight that once his season in London ends that maybe instead of going to Cleveland there might be a spot for him in Columbus to finish the season up here depending on uh what the Jackets needs are and where they are in the standings at that point. Um and I think they there may have been just a very short-term move for this game because they had to make these decisions quickly. Whereas if they call someone up from Cleveland then to play on uh, Thursday and Friday, they can do so by having two days of practice, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, for that player to get integrated into whatever the new lines are, presumably having them on maybe the third or fourth line and moving someone else up to Cam's position on the second line. Right, but the thing is, is Foodie doesn't know the system because he's playing Mm. with the Knights. And uh, Wolanski, Turkoff, McKinnis definitely knows the system because he's been up top. But the other two know the system because Coach Eves and them, they coach the same way that the Torts coaches. And they use the same wording so that, you know, it's not confusing when they get up there. Jeff Swoboda touched on that when he was on. So, I mean, if you were trying to make this quick decision, wouldn't you want someone who already knows the system? That's. But also, I'm like, this is great for foodie. So it's a very, Mm. there's so many sides to it where it's like more complicated, I guess, to look at than people are looking at it. Yeah. So Seeds, what are your thoughts on calling up foodie and, and playing him instead of someone else from Cleveland? So, so I've got, so I've got a lot of thoughts on it. First of all, I've got my thoughts, my thoughts start with the fact that our offense remains terrible. We scored as many five on five goals last week as we did uh, empty net goals. That's disgraceful and terrible. And you're not going to win hockey games like that, especially now that your best defenseman is you're going to be missing him for probably the rest of the regular season with that broken ankle. It's, it's a reality that the offense has to get better. So given that, you know, you need, you not only do you need, you need guys like Jenner and Nyquist, Bjorkstrand, PLD, guys who are here, have played all season, have played 
you know, have played together for much of this year. PLD and Felino have played together basically since the, the first of the year. Jenner's kind of played with Bjork or Jenner's played. Yeah. Jenner's played with Bjorkstrand for much of the season. And then, um, Felino, uh, Felino and Nyquist to kind of fit in where, where they will. So those guys should have some chemistry. They should be able to at least play together. And now that you're missing Seth Jones, those guys are going to need to step up. I can't really speak to the talent down in Cleveland as well as Elaine can, obviously. But to me, Foodie seems like a kind of a desperation move, mm. but it's it might be... Maybe, I don't know, maybe the most like-for-like like position swap they can do for Cam Atkinson. And I only say that because Foodie is single-handedly the fastest guy I've ever seen in a jacket, in, wear a jacket sweater. <laughs> I don't know if he's Matt Barzal fast or McDavid fast, but he's certainly can fly on, he can certainly fly on the ice. And that's kind of what Cam Atkinson's best, best skills are, are flying down the ice and finishing goals and kind of cheating outside the zone. Maybe that's what they're bringing in foodie to do. Like maybe against Tampa, a highly skilled, a very quick team. They're asking foodie to kind of come in, cheat out of the zone and see if he can snap a breakaway and bury something past Curtis McElhaney since Andre Vasilevsky is getting the night off tonight. Or, well, by now you guys will know the the results of the game by the time listeners hear this, but to me, Foodie strikes a, this team needs some sort of offensive spark. And this kid is a first round pick who's on a serious hot streak down in the OHL. Let's just see what he can do. That it's, that's what it strikes me as there's, it, it seems like honestly kind of a desperate move from a team that realizes our offense is really not great right now it's it even during this point streak it hasn't been great so they need to find a way to somehow manufacture offense and pd like you were talking about maybe this portends a liam foodie to columbus instead of cleveland at the end of his london season one would hope unlike last year the team will paper move all of the players so they'd be eligible for the calder playoffs but <laughs> we would hope <laughs> yeah i yeah one one would hope i thought about i yeah one would hope but you you know so i guess i guess we'll just see going forward what this means for the for the franchise but I, i'm i'm for one at least excited to see foodie up here i'm excited to see what he can do here in Columbus. Uh, I'm excited to see his speed on the ice and uh, maybe, maybe he can make a little bit of noise during his limited time here. Right. I mean, that's the thing. I just don't want to take away anything from him. Like me saying that about the monsters. I, I don't want to take away anything from him because he is phenomenal. It's just, and he, it's weird. And it's not like he's the one who promoted himself. Right. Exactly. And it, it, it's just weird. Like the, it, it's like the, for one game, <laughs> I don't. Right. And when it's so much easier to just call up guys from Cleveland like they always do. Right. So, yeah. So w- one thing I would like to say about the offense is that when they first came out of the break, their their offense was very stagnant in those afternoon games on the road. But this last week, I feel like the offense actually has been playing better. They have been generating a lot of shots. Now against Florida, what they ran into was Sergei Bobrovsky being vintage Bob, which he has not been for most of the season in Florida. But on Tuesday, that's the Bob that showed up finally Um, against the Red Wings. Jimmy Howard, who has had a terrible season, 
somehow returned to form himself. That was the best that he has played all season by far. He was a stone wall in that game. Uh, and then the against the Avalanche, again, a lot of high-quality chances, and they mostly shut down the Avalanche. So that was a fantastic defensive game until the last 10 minutes of the third period. But Grubauer did well enough to prevent all the attempts against him. So I think the offense is doing a lot of what they need to do. It's just like the the early season where they couldn't finish. Uh, so then losing a guy like Cam Atkinson who can finish, there's the problem. And that's and that's now a premium with your best defenseman out. You've they've yes. got it. I I know you know they might be doing things right, but it, it, it's uh, now is the time they need to put up or shut up, and they need to find a way to put the puck in the net more than one one goal a night. It, they just they can't they can't get by with that anymore. All right, so before we wrap up here, I just, I'm watching the broadcast and I see that before the puck drop, the they're showing highlights of Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson, which of course I drew comparisons to the Jackets upsetting the Lightning last year as a very similar kind of historic uh, upset. So, and there's Buster Douglas to do the puck drop. That's 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 beautiful. a really really cool thing. That's beautiful. A Columbus legend right there. All right, so we're nearly out of time here, but. First, Eileen, I wanted to get any final thoughts. You've already covered a lot about what the Monsters did last week, but do you have any additional thoughts about their week, uh, their week coming up? It seems like they've been a very inconsistent team. They win one, then they drop one. What's what's going on up there? I really, I mean, it's like Koji says, they're not playing like themselves uh, recently. It's kind of just, it's disappointing because this team had so much, brilliance at the beginning of the season and then even when everyone was being called up I I wonder if the guys are just they just can't mesh if maybe it's getting to some that they're constantly up down and up down I mean I will say there are so many guys who are stepping up though and taking their chances I mean but they're all AHL guys these two A guys um there, it's not. It's not the same. It's it's not the same kind of feel, you know. Sherwood is great some games, and then he's all right the next, and then he's good the next, and then he's all right, and then he's great for a few. And at, at this point, he should be uh, consistently something, mm. consistently anything. Right. Good, bad, great. You know, you never know what you're going to get from him. Um, Sam Vino, of course, now that he's only on an AHL contract, is playing super <laughs> well. <laughs> you know, and, and Paul Bittner, I'm not sure what's going on with him. It, it's, you know, he was so great in the beginning of the season, and now it's like, where's, where is he? Where is that greatness? So I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with the team. They definitely are struggling a bit, but like I said, the. The players who are on the AHL only contracts and the PTOs, they're really stepping up. And they're, I think that should maybe peak some sort of make the ears of the management perk up a little bit and have them kind of look at what they have signed for so little and maybe give them a little bit of a reward and sign mm, them sure. for something bigger, not something a lot bigger, just something bigger. And also the schedule has been weird. Like I said, the, they just had, they're going to have every other day. And then Tuesday, they have game. They're off Wednesday, Thursday. But then they have three games in three nights in three different cities. 
Yikes. So to get any sort of consistency going for the guys, I think I think it's tough, especially when you have the roster changes. So really, I couldn't tell you what's going on, which is sad to say, considering that I'm there every game. All right, Seeds, uh, your final thought. You said you had something real quick to say about what you did this weekend. Okay, I've got... Two final thoughts, actually. One is that I have YouTube TV and I don't get the Blue Jackets game tonight. And I just want to say you can go ahead and censor this, Ryan. This is f***ing bull. I am legit. I am legitimately angry that I do not have the Blue Jackets game right now. Or because the NBCSN decided to preempt the, the Jackets like lone national TV appearance for Alex Ovechkin's chase to 700 goals, which, by the way, the Capitals are losing to the Islanders right now. It's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you, NBCSN, for not letting me watch my hockey team. My other happy final thought is at the CBJ Hockey Analytics Conference this weekend, I was able to meet Steph, meet Steph Driver, see several other people, Micah, uh, Ineffective Math. Every single one of those people are fantastic and wonderful, and it was honestly two of the best nights I've had in ages that I love them so much and I wish I could relive those nights not the hangover the next morning but the nights <laughs> anytime yeah I ha I have to second what what seed says there it was a blast getting to hang out with several members of the SB Nation NHL team and to to meet a lot of these hockey analytics people that I've followed on Twitter for so long and, and get to chat with them I got to chat with uh Michael Blake McCurdy and I got to chat with one of the evolving hockey twins just super nice guys, super, just brilliant. Just absolutely in awe of their brilliance. I attended the conference all day Saturday. There were uh, 20 panels and presentations, uh, covered like eight hours. Uh, I have to give a lot of credit to the Blue Jackets for putting in the resources to, to host the event and host it so well, to stream it live on YouTube. So if you did not get a chance to attend, you can go to the Jackets YouTube page and watch all the presentations on there. I highly recommend that you do so. There was a lot of very interesting material there. I uh, have to give a lot of credit to Allison Lucan. She, uh, you know, she was on this podcast last month talking about this conference and talking about all the work she was putting into it. Uh, and it paid off. She did a phenomenal job and deserves so much credit for, for what she did. And, um, and everyone I talked to who had come in from out of town was really impressed with Columbus and really happy to see a game at Nationwide. Um, I, it was, I really enjoyed attending both games this weekend because from attending a game before the conference and then a game after the conference, uh, I found that I was watching the game in a different way because of the things that I had learned. You know, the Jackets, when they first went on a penalty kill, I was looking at the formation because Allison had talked about that when doing a presentation about the power kill. Uh, and that was really, that was really neat. And I was looking at, you know, uh, zone transitions and, the way players did shift changes and the way the goalies were positioned. Um, so check out at jacketscanon.com. I did a, uh, a full recap of, of all the different topics. So, so check that out to get a good overview there. And um, yeah, again, it was so great to, to meet these uh, other SB nation folks. So, you know, made some new friends over the weekend, which was really, really cool. So uh, that will do it for us. Our theme music, as always, is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Hallow Moons. Please go to AngelaPurley.com to check out all her music, as well as upcoming uh, tour dates. She's performing in Marietta on Valentine's Day. She is going to be in D.C. and Washington the weekend after that. 
And uh, in March at Roma Cafe, they've got a show. So be sure to go to her website and check out that information. Please rate us and leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet us at CBJCanon and comment at JacketsCanon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.